Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. This podcast episode is really focusing in on our weekly uh, rugby roundup. Uh, we have the superb, sublime Liam O'Brien with us to run the rule over the URC. Uh, round 11 in the books. A uh, bit of a mixed bag for the Irish provinces. Ulster, Munster had good wins, while Connacht probably produced their worst performance of the season against Glasgow Warriors. And Jared Evans' penalty secured a famous win for Cardiff Blues. Uh, Liam, how are things? Yeah, super, man. Yeah, another great um, weekend of uh, URC action. Yeah, it was great to see it. No, I mean it's the you know the the weeks leading up to Six Nations. Sometimes this kind of round really kind of feels fills me with a bit of dread because of squad depth and a bit of unstructured play. But overall, I thought games were pretty half decent uh, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like if you're, if you're thinking about good game, good game, actual proper games, Cardiff Leinster, because Cardiff do play a great band of uh, rugby uh, at home, you know, absolutely, absolutely. And we we've been touting Cardiff Blues for the last few weeks. You know, they've had a few near misses, particularly against Harlequins in the pool stages of the European Cup. Now, we talk all we want about the start of the season, COVID nineteen, but they've really regrouped. They've identified a few players. Uh, from the fringes and again they really did continue that performance brilliantly i suppose we can lead into that uh lean 29 27 win for cardiff blues over leinster uh real kind of end-to-end game really played would have pretty packed house in the arms park really um what were your initial thoughts uh Liam, on the results and the overall performance of the two sides yeah i mean i mean as you said, actually, it 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 seemed a literally full house in in Cardiff Farms Park. Actually, yeah. Um, regarding the game, I, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was pretty even, Stephen. There in the first half, um, some some good good tries with both teams. Actually, absolutely. I thought you know Lane's try after twenty minutes really did set the tone, didn't it? I mean, uh, Jared Evans, you know, ten. He had an outstanding cameo at ten. I mean, he's dying to kick. Uh, in behind, you know, you know, caught by Lane and the pace to burn <laughs> there. Uh, but again, it was just a magnificent kind of piece of skill for Lane. But then immediately after, Adam Byrne then provides an absolute exquisite solo effort. Great line break, uh, courtesy of uh, Jimmy O'Brien, superb offload coming in on the line. He was in full back uh, this week, Jimmy O'Brien. And I mean, that really kind of set the tone. I mean, some stats here, Liam, I'm kind of looking at it. Like both teams, I'd say they slept pretty well um, that you know on Saturday night. Tactical count was 131 tackles made by Cardiff Blues, 146 for Leinster Rugby. Um, penalties pretty much even at 12-12, but uh, even the meters gained 366 meters for Cardiff Blues, 333 for Leinster, and it really kind of does indicate, doesn't it, Lane? It was very kind of a 50-50 game right up until the end. Oh, yeah, it does. It totally does. Yeah, I mean, it it, it also indicates that the ball was in play. Uh, an awful amount of time in that game as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think it was kind of fierce breakdown um, contests uh, throughout. And in fairness to Leinster, I suppose they will be probably disappointed probably in the video analysis, um, particularly at the end. But again, they kind of recovered well in the second half. You know, James Tracy had a nice close range effort. And then Scott Penny had a, had a super game. I think he made 21 tackles overall. Spots a gap in the lineup defensive set for Cardiff Blues goes over, and you think, geez, this looks anonymous here for Cardiff Blues. But Cardiff Blues really, their progressive style, you know, they really did create with whenever they had the chance. 
and uh, there were some lovely offloads uh, there, particularly for that Amos try on 70 minutes, and it really set the crescendo up uh, here, uh, Liam, for a real titanic finish at the end. Yeah, and um, you know, it, it, it was a, it was going to be like a good penalty at the end as well. It was needed, like you know, under pressure, and yeah, uh, he did delivered for sure. Again, it was toing and froing all the way through those last ten minutes, and uh, then right at the end, uh, you know, Cardiff Blues, you know, front foot ball, um, uh, Ross Byrne, unfortunately gets uh, pinged. <laughs> you know, I think it was a high tackle. It was uh, the the actual decision, but. Again, Jared Evans had plenty to do with the the kick, and I don't know if you heard, Liam, there was some opera singer in the background before he actually kicks the game winner. You can hear quite audibly some baritone literally singing <laughs> as the kick is, he's about to basically kick, you know, it was like, it was a bit bizarre, but what a kick. And you could see the, re, the, the reaction of the Cardiff Blues players immediately after the final whistle. I think Di Young has basically alluded to in the post-game comments that this is the standard now. This is the template to basically grow and develop this Cardiff Blues team. This is the baseline performance because they were absolutely outstanding. Yeah, and, and see, look, what has to be considered too is they really were up against a very strong Leinster team as well. So, oh, okay. so absolutely, Car- Cardiff, of all the teams you could say, look at, look at it, certainly the Welsh teams in the URC, they are the ones that, that can take it to the next level. You you look at the other, the other, the other Welsh teams and you just... There's nothing there. End of. Like you've seen a few departures, particularly from the Dragons. You know, the the Hibberts are gone. Jamie Roberts is basically, he's moved down to Australia. I mean, there seems to be a few mid-season departures, you know, from there. Ospreys, you know, are a work in progress with Toby Booth, um, you know. Um, and Scarlets have been, I don't know what the Scarlets, it's just been one disappointment after another for them. So, I mean, for Cardiff Blues, and I think Liam Williams joins the, the rugby club Cardiff Blues next season with uh, Amos uh, retiring. Does, does Young look, join from Wasps as well, actually? I believe so as well, Tom Young yeah, as well. Yeah, Tom Young, yeah. His father, so, yeah. you know, there's a bit of an Aberdare link uh, there, Liam, anyway. So there'll be plenty more getting through the turnstiles from Aberdare after that, uh, to be fair. And, I mean, when you have the likes of a Ross Turnbull, uh, you know he's an absolute he's an absolute standout for me uh, for Cardiff Blues consistent performer. I'm surprised you know that he hasn't got more international caps. And again was a superb you know 19 tackles uh, particularly. Um, Lane did his credentials no harm at all with Wales with eight carries 73 meters. Summerhill always a very talented winger. 10 carries 51 meters. Um, again Jimmy O'Brien did. Was very prominent for Leicester as well. Twelve carries, fifty-one meters, and then Adam Byrne as well had the five carries for forty-four uh, meters as well. So there's an awful lot of. It was a very open, expansive game from uh, from minute one, and I think probably Leinster might be a little bit of the reality check that they would need, you know, after the two comprehensive pumpings that they'd give Montpellier and also Bath Rugby in the European. This is a this is a more of a competitive feel, and I think maybe the discipline side of things. Um, the management and players probably the video review this week will definitely uh, a review and uh, address uh, but a, a famous win for Cardiff and I think it really sets them up well uh, for the URC um, you know because they do have the break now but again uh, it bodes well particularly on the Welsh Conference I think they're kind of looking like the informed team to really go deep in the competition um, so with that 
maybe we go to Ulster and Scarlets maybe continuing with that Irish Welsh team really here uh, uh, Liam um, again a 27-15 win for Ulster Rugby at Kingspan on Friday night don't know if you saw much of it Liam but again it was very 50-50 for good stages of that contest and you have to give credit to Scarlets here given the injuries given international call-ups the squad itself looked vulnerable, but they did actually come and deliver a good performance on the night. Yeah, I have to say it was kind of like a last 10 minute job there in terms of uh, me watching. But um, from what I saw, yeah, um, did Ulster definitely got a good victory, like the ground out that victory there, did they? They certainly did. I mean, the, the exchanges, opening exchanges, I thought the full game. And the exchanges pretty much often opening quarter were very 50 50. Um, you know, a few penalties. Nathan Doak, Evans, you know, Triol. Then we probably have our contentious moment of the game with Kilroy's uh, tackle on 27 minutes. It, the optics don't look good, but then you can say argue in terms of mitigation, in terms of the Scarlet's player maybe slipping a little bit. But again, it's that the, the way the head of the Scarlet's player goes back, it looks pretty bad. I mean, again, you know, the match officials did deliberate, mitigation was cited. And, uh, yeah, um, Gilroy goes off and sin bin. And then it culminates with, I think, the play of the game for Scarlets. And Liam, we've kind of talked openly about Scarlets, how attractive they are in terms of their brand of rugby, particularly when they create with on the ball. And it was a great spin move to actually uh, create the try. I know Samson Lee scores from close range. But the interchange of passing here really did expose Ulster defensively superbly well. Um, so again, in fairness to Ulster, the resilience was there for all C. Again, playing with 14 players, uh, Angus Curtis gets um, some game minutes, and again, great work from Vermeulen. Vermeulen had a powerful game as well, Liam. Here, he had 13 tackles, he had 13 carries, 58 meters. He sets up essentially two tries here, and I mean, both sides going at halftime, 10 all at the break. It suddenly went 15 all fairly early in the second half with Carter and Matthias cancelling each other out. And then it's kind of left to the last quarter. And in fairness to Billy Burns, he did have a great outing here. He had two clean line breaks. Uh, and again, pretty instrumental here in terms of um, the finish uh, for um, Ulster. Melissa um, Vinic, close range effort. And then Gilroy, uh, who's back on the pitch, closes out late on as Scarlets were looking for something late on. So... I think the impressive part here, I would say, from an Ulster perspective, is how they secured the bonus point. I mean, very topsy-turvy game, given squ- and you know these rounds, particularly lead up to Six Nations, very much attritional. Is really testing your squad depth, securing these. These are kind of the hidden results when you review a season, you know, and getting five points against Scarlets at home. Uh, now we can say all we want about Scarlets, but Scarlets sit are a top quality team in my eyes. Um, it's a, a crucial win for them. Uh, Ulster, you know, sits them quite nicely in the Irish conference and on the overall standing. So, and I mean, for Scarlets, it's kind of a case of rebuild. Um, you know, after the URC, hopefully we get a few bodies back, maybe string a few results together because they do have a few postponements. They only, I think, played nine fixtures so far this season, which was an unre- unbelievable stat during commentary. That's due to COVID nineteen situation stuff like that. So. If they can get a few of their marquee players back, I think, uh, you know, and they're very much, I think, a dry track team as well, Liam. 
they may have a bit of a say in the Welsh Conference, but I think a good overall win here for uh, Ulster Rugby, uh, 27-13, and coupled with the Leinster Rugby loss, I think, you know, it kind of creates a bit of a breathing room here for Ulster and maybe puts a little bit of pressure on Leinster Rugby a little bit in terms of the Irish Conference standings. Yeah, well, well, look, in the, in the overall conference team. standings, it's actually the two Scots, uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Ulster, and then Leinster. But obviously, there's, not, there's nothing really between them in terms of points-wise. But maybe, maybe some teams might have maybe an extra game played, you know. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, Ulster, yeah, absolutely flying at the moment in, in every competition. Exactly, you know, and I think for the Scarlet's head coach and the management staff, you know, probably going into the ga- that game, they were very vulnerable, at, you know, given the squad selection issues that they did have, but they actually did produce a very good performance and, um, you know, there was pretty much nothing in it up until maybe minute 65 when then Ulster get the go-ahead score and then obviously Kilroy uh, gets uh, the, the, the assurance uh, try and the bonus point, but overall, good win there for Dan McFarlane and his charges. And then we quickly go to sports ground. Uh, Connacht entertained the Glasgow Warriors. And I think this was a key fixture for both teams, given how their European campaigns had unfolded in the previous two weeks. But if I was to tell you that the debutant out half uh, forward uh, for Connacht had the second highest tackle count for Connacht rugby, I think that really tells the tale of the tape. A 42-20 loss to Glasgow Warriors. And I mean, Andy Friend very quick to come out and say that was the worst performance of the season. Don Aileen, um, any comments? Yeah, um, it's funny, one of the only things I saw was actually the Andy Friend interview afterwards and he was totally deflated. I mean, there's, there was nothing you could pick from from, from that defeat and, uh, that was that was positive at all. I mean, especially when Connacht actually were competitive for quite a bit in the, in the first half there and just like a complete second half collapse. I'm uh, looking at the, at the, at the, the team... The team itself seemed seemed quite um, strong enough as well. Like obviously without the, the the three or four Irish guys as well. Yeah, again, it, you know, the Irish guys are pretty key cogs for the Connacht rugby setup. Um, the lad wasn't starting either. Um, you know, you had Carty, Bundy. Um, yeah, it, but again, I think the tone was set fairly early on here. Um, Liam, collisions were lost. Gain line was for Glasgow Warriors, and I think McLean's try after three minutes really did emphasise that. I mean, it wasn't as if Connacht weren't defending, you know, resolutely, but I think it was just tackling technique. And the one thing about the Warriors, we know about the Warriors, is they love an offload game. What do you do? You eliminate the offload at source. And too many times, Connacht lads are kind of losing the collision and the tackle gaining that platform for Glasgow to really run the ball side to side and literally creating the line gaps. And I know Connacht had a good response from Sammy Arnold and also for Paul Boyle as well immediately after half time, but I felt they were completely on the back foot. So Glasgow, their second try, spin move and passing side to side, but they, they identify a mismatch between Watton and Tom Farrell and Glasgow guys unopposed from 10 meter, 10, 15 metres out. Just a soft score, you know, really. These are absolute morale-sapping scores, really, and didn't really, again, we've talked at length about the last quarter for Connacht, that squad depth, that squad impact. They conceded three tries again uh, this weekend, is, uh, or last weekend again. Uh, I thought Glasgow were very aggressive uh, in their defensive line speed and really didn't negate any easy options for Ford uh, to kind of get into the game, um, start 
running a few few good lines, you know, particularly creating width. They were very aggressive, Glasgow, in their defensive line speed, and really Connacht were kind of they were under the cosh, and no one really kind of stepped up. Unfortunately, it was just overall a very poor performance. Yeah, and again, you'd also think that you know Connacht are going to go down the table now at this stage, and the the Warriors probably with so many guys playing for the Six Nations squad for with Scotland probably were at under strength really. Exactly, uh, and you know, I think for the Glasgow Warriors head coach and management staff, must have been a very pleasing performance given what happened the last two weekends, particularly the away trip to Exeter. They did produce a performance against La Rochelle. Now, I think there was a few kind of accuracy issues that really gifted a few tries to La Rochelle. So the performance had improved. But the manner in this win, 42-20, and as you say yourself, uh, Liam, really between Glasgow and Edinburgh, they're kind of neck and neck at the top of uh, the the complete overall standings of URC. Um, They have to be very pleased. I mean, team breaks, they had six. Means was gained here. If you're a defensive coach for Connacht now, you're kind of tearing the hair out. 448 metres gained. Now, Connacht had 352. But again, it's it's big field advantage there, you know, and it really did set the tone. Um, and as well as that, penalty count was probably even 11-10. Uh, missed tackles, Connacht had 12, Glasgow 4. And the set piece for both sides, I think, is probably one for the video analysis. Enough for Connacht that they won four out of their six scrums. Line out six out of ten. So I mean, there is scope for improvement, but I think squad depth wise, they've been wholly exposed in this series of program games, and I think they were just on fumes, unfortunately, for Connacht in this game. And when you consider it was Tiernan Halloran's two hundred cap, physios leaving the Connacht rugby setup, you know, you would have expected a bit more of a performance, but packed house and sports ground as well, it just never happened. It was such a flat performance. I think from Andy Friend. And the background staff, there has to be a bit of trepidation heading up to Kingspan if this is going to be the level of performance um, ahead of this Interpro Derby game uh, in round 12. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of all the places <laughs> you probably don't want to be going in Europe at the moment, it's Kingspan. Yeah. It's, it's not quite Leinster, it's not quite Munster, it's Kingspan, absolutely. Kingspan, if, if, if it's Kingspan Friday night, which it probably is, my God, I mean, you, I, you know, at least, you know, a good bonus point, five try victory for 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 Ulster's only cars anyway. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you can say as well, you know, it's the squad depth again. But it's how do you regroup if you're kind of rugby now? I mean, Dennis Buckley came back from a long lengthy layoff, didn't do a whole pile wrong, but again, he's not going to give you that immediate impact. You know, he needs a few games under his belt. Um, yeah, it's just a it's, a it's a kind of a worrying one as well, and I think Ulster will be full, fully gung ho, looking for revenge from Connacht after that Aviva Stadium mayor at the start of the season as well. That will be fresh in their minds as well. So it doesn't get any easier, friendly friend. And I mean, he is very candid to the media. We just I I hope for Connacht's sake that there is a response because if not, then I think the season could derail fairly quickly. And they're going to be completely out of contention, uh, out of Heineken Champions Cup places, which is the aim uh, to attract players. And uh, it is, um, it's a worrying time for Connacht, you know, and they need to get bodies back as soon as possible. Um, I suppose we can move swiftly on there, uh, Liam, uh, on that somber note for Connacht Rugby and maybe look at uh, Munster Rugby uh, travel to Northern Italy, Parma, 
I thought it was a fairly routine business-like performance for Munster, 34-17 away win. Um, what were your general thoughts? Yeah, uh, look, it was it, it was probably along the lines of what you'd expect. You know, this, this joint of performance, really, I'd have to say, from Munster, you could probably say you're disappointed in, in some aspects. But, you know, we were clinical enough at the end of the day to get those those five tries and so you and good individual performances you know your calvin nashes and your james uh, and um, james O'Donoghue. sorry <laughs> jack O'Donoghue, <laughs> and um obviously john hodden again when when he, when he was there so yeah i'd overall you know you have to be happy with that wouldn't you yeah quite happily have james O'Donoghue there as a ten if you want to <laughs> you want to join from Kerry footballers after he's in county retirement anyway uh, such a talented footballer, but yeah, I I'd agree with you. I thought it was very stop start. <laughs> don't think you know, Zebri. There's just I don't know where they go from here. You know, they were stop start because you could see players were falling off tackles even after five ten minutes, and they were looking for attention, medical attention more. Yeah, just to basically slow the tempo down. Um, so that didn't really con- was conducive for Munster at the get go, but. It, do remember a line break from Hodnett that really, I think, kind of spurred the performance on a bit. I think that was after, was a minute 15, minute 16, kind of set the tone. And to be honest, um, Jake Flannery had a very eventful opening quarter, you know, that gash underneath his eye there, you know. Crowley did come in. Uh, but in fairness, Munster did it string together some nice moves. I thought Jack O'Donoghue's try after 22 minutes was a very well-worked try. Lovely interchange of passes. Um Liam Combs, Combs as well. It hasn't put a foot wrong for me, uh, for Munster. You know, in these brief cameos at 13, does provide that go-forward ball, a bit of, you know, something different about him. And again, a good setup for O'Donoghue. And I mean, the hit that Liam Combs gets as well uh, was pretty significant. Like So it was a good try. O'Donoghue finishes up superbly well. Um, but I suppose if you wanted to see the goal from two sides, all I would kind of say is exhibit A, Dan Goggins' try and 29 minutes. Uh, you know, if you're a line-out aficionado, uh, I mean, it's a spin move um, in terms of the interchange of passes between Hodnett, Cronin, setting Dan Goggins clear. I mean, he breaks the first tackle. It's a high tackle, but he's some way, way out. <laughs> I mean, and <laughs> not to be stopped. It just... From a Zebri rugby perspective, I mean, defensively, that's not good enough. That wouldn't be even good enough for an Italian domestic league game, let alone expect to kind of get away with something like that in a URC match. Yeah, and the game, like, pretty much over then, isn't it? 15, like, it's pretty much over, like, even at that stage. But, um, yeah, Goggin, as you said, the first guy he went high and, like, he, he pawed, pawed off him, like, he didn't even go near him. And then he, he just straight through, there was, there was a, like, a, a hole there. It was very, it was strange, like to see him all or rub rugby. It was just like a total hole, and there was nobody to touch him. There was two or three other zebra guys, like, but yeah, didn't touch him at all. That was, and and that was a, it was it was still a good good uh, good carry from Goggin. Good, just going back to the the, the, the first try for um Dunhu, um yeah that Hodnett, wow, Hodnett really break carry there. Wow, it was it was just. Incredible, but um, Nash's Nash's hands in the the offload. I just I didn't realize that he had that in him, you know, because <laughs> some players just don't have that in them, you know. And and uh, then Coombs just really 
totally straight. He just went totally straight and and stood his ground. And as you said, got the ball away went and got so one hell of a tackle. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it was superb. I think Nash did himself no harm at all with that performance. And as you say, that flash of creativity, that skill set um, was, you know, a highlight real moment for Munster Rugby, particularly that opening try. And I think the head coaches... Um, would have been pretty delighted with that. I mean, as we say, I think the game had gotten away by Zebri at this stage uh, after Goggins' try. And then after 37 minutes, we had Finnegan Richley, who I thought had a great game, uh, you know, contributed in all aspects. You know, it was top tackle for Munster and with John Hodnett with 12, um, 12 tackles. You know, he goes over, um, you know, regulation score, close range effort. Zebri are getting pinged here at this stage for offsides and... Uh, you know, really creating pressure. And they were really struggling to exit out of their own, you know, 22 at this stage. But um, they had a little bit of a lifeline with Kanye's uh, try. And I wouldn't be too harsh on Jake Flannery as well, trying to be expensive, trying to kind of really release people before halftime. They get a little bit of a hope. And maybe for 10, 15 minutes in the second half, Zebri do have the better of it. But again, they're... They had no confidence in their attack anyway, one. But then their penalty kicking really did kind of let them down. They had three penalty uh, attempts here, zero for three. Uh, kind of tells the tale of the tape. Let Munster off it. And then I think the rest of the, the game was pretty routine. Munster built the phases, got a few line breaks. And uh, kind of uh, Julie uh, closed out the game with the bonus point and an insurance try from Dermot Barron. Yeah, but uh, in terms of if you look at the, the the match stats there, which I find the match stats are pretty pretty even in terms of um, passes. We had 110 for Zebra, 119 for Munster, and we had turnovers 10 Zebra, 9 Munster. Um, meters 204 for Zebra and 341 for Munster. But a, a lot of that for Zebra was was in that that 20 minutes in the second half. Zebra had the ball. But as you said, it was just, just city, city sort of penalty conceded and, and and they couldn't get any real momentum going at that stage. Um, and then you know, yeah, Munster, Munster power through in that last that last twenty. Uh, we had some situations like we had um, Scott Buckley coming on <laughs> because pro Tom Hearn and uh, that that obviously disrupted a Munster in in, in the scrum as well. Um, yeah, we, um, obviously we, we had a witchery try there, 29-10, and then we had um, Baron as well and uh, try in 81, yeah, for, for for Zebra. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, were, were you happy with the contributions of our, our key players again, like in, in, our, in the back row? And um, well, for me, centre, Liam Coombs, definitely. Um, stood out as a guy who was like, you know, this guy could actually next to he could really kick on, he could be starting from Munster. Oh, I completely agree. I think he's on that upper trajectory at the moment. I do like the directness of him. Um, you know, his ability to, you know, spot a gap in the defensive lines is it's been seen, you know, very much in his cameos uh, for Munster. I think at the Scarlet, I think Zebra Rugby now he can contract out and say it's that level of opposition. We need to see that, you know, with more elevated, higher profile opposition. But again, he can't do much more, Dean, uh, from his perspective. He's impressing. I mean, I think everyone, you know, it's round 11. There is going to be a bit of cohesion issues straight after European pool campaign phase to kind of get refocused here. Um, I thought overall 
after a kind of a, maybe a messy first 10, 12 minutes and maybe 10, 20 minutes, 10, 15 minutes in that second half, it was relatively comfortable. I mean, defensively, only seven missed tackles during the game. As you say, the back row, I thought was very impressive. I thought that O'Sullivan O'Donoghue really did control matters very well. That Jack O'Sullivan got through an amount of work, like nine carries, 52 metres. You know, he was always willing. And he's a guy that I have an awful lot of time for. You know, he's just his mobility, you know, physicality. I think he has it all, but I suppose the key question is, where is he getting his game time? You know, because back row were so stacked at the moment. Hodnett was quality as well. I think it was four from four carries for four four metres. I don't know who contributed with six carries, 24 metres and a try. And then Galkin and Coombs combined at 73 metres. And then when you add Chris Farrell came on then, he contributed 33 metres fairly quickly when he came on in the second half. So I think overall, um, I would say Johan van Graan, uh, the rest of the coaching staff, Larkham, Roundtree, they have to be relatively pleased. Again, video analysis, are you going to dwell too much on it? Probably not, given the, the opposition or the respect is every. But again, you kind of move on. Uh, there's going to be more key games uh, coming up, uh, particularly starting up the two, Glas- well, Glasgow. And then you have Edinburgh and Tom Park in a few weeks' time, so that's where the focus will be. But uh, I think you sit nicely there, and then obviously we're then getting into the business end of the season then. So, uh, yeah, overall, uh, good impressions uh, from Munster in in Zebri, I mean, Zebri are kind of just seeing out the season here. Um, been a tough season. You know, they've they've replaced Michael Bradley, and I do have question marks over that appointment, really. They're, they're, they're looking to go homegrown, domestic, on the coaching situation. But again, it's you can see the talent. Um, there is a work in progress, uh, certainly. Um, Biagi did impress 17 tackles throughout the game. It was very a very willing kind of worker for Zebri uh, in the back row. But again, forlorn task. And I think it's just a case of, um, you think of Zebri, and I'm looking at the lines in South Africa as well here, Liam, as well. I don't know if you saw any of the their game at the weekend, but an awful lot of South African commentators are really calling out the Lions here, that their preparation, it looks like a dead duck in terms of the Lions this season, that their competitiveness is not there in the South African conference. And that has to be a worry for URC organisers going forward. I mean, I mean, we, I suppose really in the last few seasons we've, we've been carrying teams already, haven't we? In, in, at least there's at least three teams I'm not going to name that we've been carrying, and we don't want to be carrying another one, two teams as well. You know, absolutely. Um, in in term in terms of I suppose the URC at least the positive from the South African uh, point of view is. They're going to come fully loaded um, in the next the next two months. They're going to have yeah. all their Springboks back, particularly the likes of the Stormers and uh, the Sharks. So I think that's going to help as well for for all the teams that are travelling out there if, if they decide to travel. Well, this you know this is going to be kind of this decision will have to be kind of decided fairly quickly here, Liam. I think in the next two weeks we need to have a decision because. The schedule has Munster, Cardiff, they're all having to be mandated to, to travel down there. But again, it would be, I think from a South African perspective, and for this competition to prosper and grow, fixtures have to go and take place in South Africa. We need to build the fan base from a URC perspective. And again, as you say yourself, Liam, the likes of the Stormers, the Bulls, these teams will be loaded in terms of their international squad players getting the game time different animals to what we've seen at the start of this regular season particularly in uh, in, in Europe so 
I think from that perspective, Liam, games have to go down there. Teams will have to travel down there. I, if I'm hearing excuses now, I know financial costs, stuff like that, have to be borne in mind. And you'd hope for the clubs affected by the COVID-19 situation in South Africa that they are given, given assurances in terms of quarantine, that sort of thing, have lessons being learned. Uh, but we need competitive games to happen in South Africa for this league. It's a fledgling league at the moment, let's be brutally honest, to really grow and emerge because the aim here is for South African teams to come in to the Heineken Champions Cup uh, next season. That'll bring its own rewards as well in terms of revenue stream, stuff like that. So I think URC are going to really push hard for teams, particularly in Ireland, Wales, Scotland, to really kind of make the commitment to come down, play the fixtures in South Africa, and then provide maybe you know integrity to the league. But I do see challenges. I do see some clubs maybe opposing that. Naturally so, after what happened at the back end of the last year. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, it's an exciting time, I think, in South Africa, particularly with the fixtures that have been coming. You know, we're going to see more and more um, competitive games and the fact that the Springbok internationals are lining up for their clubs here. It's a big bonus for the league. Um, I suppose before we go here, uh, Liam, let's have a chat about con- contract extensions in the province. I mean, we can focus in here on Munster Rugby here and also to connect. So last week there was announcements. And again, guys, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be hearing these contract extensions now going into Six Nations. We're going to hear departures now, well-timed PR addresses, social media announcements coming into rounds two or three of the Six Nations. But from Munster Rugby's perspective, they tied down John Hodnett to another two years in addition to the season that they had already in the contract. Sean French, another promising player, and also Dan Goggin as well. But I suppose, Liam, uh, you may have a few viewpoints probably on Dan Goggin's two-year contract, do you? Yeah, yeah. It just so happens in the week that... Uh... Uh, Malachi Fekitoa has kind of made a U-turn on joining Munster. So, you know, we we obviously need uh, to keep our centre and uh, Goggins is the guy who's who's already there. So I think he basically gets re-signed on the basis of that. Um, and, you know, you know, he is a guy who hasn't just been maybe given enough game time in the last while. And, when, and he certainly took it there at the game at the weekend. Absolutely, no, he did a quality standout game. Um, as far as Dan Goggin, look at the, the physical attributes of the guy. You know, he's a good footballer as well. Um, as well. So I think the two-year deal, I think it was an insurance policy anyway, given the situation with Damien Delende as well. I mean, uh, Rory Scannell being at 12 as well. Jake Flannery does have the versatility to play 12 as well. So, I mean, I think they're just, you know, from a monster perspective, being very contingent in terms of their planning for next season. Dan Goggins not let this, the province down any shape or form in his career. And, you know, hopefully we'll see a little bit more of him in terms of that 12 jersey. But, yeah, I think the Fekitoa U-turn certainly does negate that, doesn't it? You know, it does accelerate that contract deal uh, a bit more. Um, uh, but Fekitoa is a good player. But for me, the injury concerns... You know, particularly with Wasps, who's been very injury plagued. We just don't want that, you know, you know, situation coming to Munster Rugby. We need, a, you know, a fully fit, particularly three quarters to really hit the ground running uh, next season, particularly. So, but um, a hotness, I think, was a quality kind of um, piece of business for Munster as well. 
Ross Carberry native hasn't put a foot wrong there, uh, Liam, has he? Oh, I think I, th- I think Hodnett is, is is this season is is one of the stand up players for us already, and um, dare I say it, I know with all with all the guys who are there already, but a future Ireland seven, I would nearly say. Um, he he's a bit of the the, the Van der Fleer about him, I have to say too, you know, um, in every way. Um, so oh, absolutely great bit of business. Oh, completely. I think once he emerged on the scene, um, particularly with the under 20s, uh, you know, a few years ago, 2019 season, you know, really has impressed no end. It's, it's fascinating there with Lucy Cadellan as well. You know, there's a whole host of guys, Gavin Coombs. You can see the, the academy, you know, we're really producing from a Munster rugby provincial level, really standout guys, um, particularly back row, uh, particularly so. I mean, it's a great piece of business um, to lock in Hodnett for that long extended period. Um, you know, and you say yourself, it's only a matter of time when he gets his recognition internationally. I think his speed, his mobility, you know, tackle technician, everything about him is just on a level right now that belies the age of the guy. Um, and there's still tremendous upside for John Hodnett, provided that he can keep fit you know and not get too many uh, injuries I think the sky's the limit for the Ross Carberry native and delighted delighted to see him because a big fan and obviously of course Sean French as well um, you know he gets rewarded with a two-year contract as well um, what are your thoughts there uh, Liam? Yeah look I mean I mean another another kind of a car guy has come through yeah and uh, he's he's certainly a player for the future we'll say yeah okay Exactly. You know, he must be he must be impressing very much, uh, particularly in training uh, with the head coaches to give the, give you that endorsement, give you that two year contract, give you reassurance that you're doing the right things. And I think for Sean French, you know, he can go on to bigger and better things, um, you know, and it's really up to him now to really kind of drive that in terms of his development, you know, getting on a training paddock, improving every day getting the opportunities and taking them from both hands. I think he's seen that fairly well with the the players that have come in and various fixtures um, that if you do impress, you know, like Scott Butley's folks like that, for instance, you do get your opportunities to impress going forward. So you're on the radar. So hopefully for Sean, um, you know, it's good reward for all the hard work he's been doing, but now it's the time to drive on and really kind of make an impact in match day squads starting at the URC, but then ultimately you're looking to kind of challenge for the Champions Cup games that are coming up as well. So best of luck there. And then for Connacht Rugby, uh, this week uh, announcement. I think this is a shrewd signing. I mean, with Ulton Delan departing for France, uh, club to be determined. Uh, Leinster's Josh Murphy, uh, highly rated, um, is moving to Connacht for two years. What's your initial impressions there, Nim? Yeah, well, again, Josh Murphy, another terrific sort of back row, come come uh, come second row, um, in the queue in um, in Leinster at the moment. Yeah, and as you, I think he is a right good bit of business actually. A uh, really highly rated player himself. Yeah, I think you know he's versatile, uh, particularly can fill that lock position and the back row positions as well very much. So, um, I think it'll just be very interesting to see. I don't think Josh Murphy will be the last. Of the Leinster squad, players maybe sitting on the fringes at the moment that will be, you won't hear of, you know, from a press release perspective going somewhere. Um, 
maybe there might be one or two other uh, guys here uh, Liam, that may be uh, following suit to Connacht's. I mean, we've talked an awful lot in terms of back uh, front row um, capability here in squad depth. I mean, I wonder if they're really honing in uh, Connacht here on the front five, particularly seeing if the depth chart, particularly on the front row uh, positions, uh, particularly the prop situation. I mean, you've Beelan, Buckley, uh, Duggan as well, you've other guys, Bark, but Again, some guys have been injured unexpectedly for an extended period. But again, are they looking to bring in other guys uh, into uh, the squad, particularly in the front five? Because I think at the moment, Thornbury is a massive loss for Connacht. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting. I, I don't see this as being the end of the business here for Connacht in long way. I think pack reinforcements are definitely required, given what's been happening in the last few weeks. So, But I think Josh Murphy definitely will settle in well at the Connacht with the brand of rugby that they play and the versatility, he should be getting sufficient game time there. And will boost, and he'll definitely um, uh, give like some Murray guys like that um, an awful lot, Joshin Dowling, an awful lot of food for thought for competition for placing that second row when the land goes. So you're looking to kind of increase the squad depth in the competition for places. And certainly Josh Murphy is primed. He has the resume already to really stake a claim there. So I think good bit of business there from Connacht. But I think more to follow. I think they definitely do need some more pack reinforcements just to provide a bit more beef, a bit more physicality, particularly on those key uh, uh, fixture days. Um, so we'll leave it at that, Liam. I know we haven't really talked about Six Nations or anything else. And I know, Liam, you're heading up to the Viva Stadium uh, at the weekend to see Ireland Wales. But I know we probably will have a preview later on the week. But do you have any kind of initial thoughts in terms of the game itself and how you see the game going? Well, I mean, all the predictions uh, and and I suppose the selection that Wales have available points to a comprehensive Ireland victory. I mean, when you have the Welsh side without their leaders like like Ken Owens and, and Alan Wynne Jones, yeah, it's going to be a tough ask for them. But you know, Wales only need to start one one game well, the first game of the Six Nations, and then they're suddenly on a roll again. So. Yeah. They're usually, yeah, quite a quite a dangerous side. The other, the, the other thing is that usually if they win a Six Nations or Grand Slam, they're pretty bad the next season. <laughs> That's almost a guarantee. So that could happen as well. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic here, uh, Liam. You know, there's not a lot of shadow boxing going on. Whenever Ireland and Wales, you know, the Irish, you know, oh, we really respect Wales and Wales would be old, like, you know, we do the same and... I, you know, I'm just constantly optimistic, you know, it's first round of the championship, you know, and just, you know, you can read the guys that are going to be out of that Welsh 23-man squad, but still, there's guys in there that could make an impact or are going to be hungry to make an impact to extend their stay on that Welsh jersey, and everything does tee itself up for the Welsh jersey. I think it might be closer than people expect here, uh, Liam. You know, our November internationals were brilliant, outstanding. If we do the same, then... Wales are going to have a bit of a troublesome afternoon, but I, I expect a good challenge here from Wales. You know, they're not going to roll over here and defensively very solid, you know. Um, Pivac will literally look to set up, you know, and, uh, you know, create a little bit of space out wide, particularly in the second and third quarters to exploit any kind of defensive cohesion issues. And you know, Liam, that there will be a few opening day nerves here from Ireland as well. So, um, cautiously optimistic on the game, but I think Wales will be competitive for good periods of it and uh, really up to Ireland to execute the, the basics and the fundamentals very well and 
Again, I think Wales will target the lineup for Ireland as well. So it'll be interesting to see with Callagher, Herring, even Sheehan, whoever starts there, um, how their darts are. Because, you know, if there's already successes for Wales, particularly on the set piece, I think, you know, it could be uh, an interesting afternoon. But uh, best of luck there anyway, uh, Liam. Hope you enjoy yourself in Dublin anyway. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably chat to you next week, you know, and also this week as well. We'll see if we can slot in a Six Nations preview uh, before that. Uh, to get the crystal balls out and see how miserable or how great we were on predictions uh, come April. Yeah, sure, Mark. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly um, hopefully be celebrating a, a good comprehensive win this weekend anyway. Absolutely. Liam, thanks very much again for your insight, contribution anyway. Always appreciate it. And uh, sure, we'll talk again soon. Okay, see you. Jimmy. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, Why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.